rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. But in Hartford, Hereford and Hampshire, hurricanes hardly ever happen. Hello, old sport. You are listening to I Saw in a Movie, a movie advice podcast co-hosted by your friendly cinematic pals at Movie John. I'm the old sport and classic coroner, Rosalie Kix, and this is my film pal, Ryan Silverstein. Each episode, we take a question from our listeners and go to the movies for the answer. So before we get to this week's question, we are first going to share some of our flick picks, um, basically movies that we've been watching lately. So Ryan, what have you been watching? Sure. Uh, I've been doing my my best to um, to watch more movies at home, <laughs> uh, basically, uh, that I haven't seen before instead of going into, you know, my... DVD or Blu-ray collection of things that I already own. So I've been as part of that, I've been trying to watch more Turner Classic movies. Oh, nice! Um, so I recently watched uh, Larceny Inc., which was directed by Lloyd Bacon. Oh my god, that was the director that I talked about on the baseball episode. Oh yeah, he, I... yeah yes, <laughs> he did the It Happened One Spring. Okay, I did not make that connection. And this is an Edward G. Robinson movie. Oh, cool. Um, and he's, you know, he was in a million, a million things. But this is a gangster comedy about a group of gangsters that decide to buy out a luggage store because it's next to a bank they want to rob and they want to dig through the basement. Oh, my God. But they run afoul of success, basically. They're too good at running the store. The effort to go and rob this bank becomes less and less as be- they become actual legitimate businessmen. Edward G. Robinson, whose like mom nickname is Pressure, like his his name is Pressure Maxwell. <laughs> he um he he's like becomes part of the local business the community of business owners on the street. They elect him their chair or whatever and he's like helping put on like events to drum up business while the street outside is under construction and like Um, oh my god this sounds amazing it's really fun you know it's not the it's not the best movie but um it's it definitely is getting me more into 40s movies and it had the kind of feel that like a lot of woody allen's crime movies have okay and so when i wrote it up for letterboxd i was like maybe i just like old movies like i thought i liked woody allen movies before you know knowing that how much of a monster he was but now I'm like, maybe I just like older movies. And that's what I liked about his movies. And so I don't need them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say I'm definitely going to look for this on TCM. I, I don't know if you have this, um, but they have like an app that you can use on like Roku where you can watch movies that were playing like live. You can watch them on demand, but they expire pretty quickly. Like they only stay on there like maybe a week or so. Okay, I'll have to check. I'll have to check check that out. I'm sure, I'm sure I have access to that somewhere, but uh, I have not played around with it. Yeah, definitely check it out. Um, that's how Ben and I watch a lot of things on TCM because honestly, I forget when things are on. Yeah, I pretty much always have the schedule open on my phone now, and what I like about it is that I don't get to choose what's on like i get very overwhelmed by choice with all of the streaming options that i have and so it's nice to just be like 
all right, this movie sounds kind of interesting. It starts at, you know, 145 and I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to watch it and then that's it. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, let me tell you about my pick because actually I would not have found it if it weren't for you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. During the Kino Lorber sale, we were like exchanging pictures back and forth about things that we wanted to buy. And Ryan had sent over that he was going to pick up the Irma La Deuce, which was a 1963 picture with Shirley MacLaine and Jack Lemmon. And my husband and I, Ben, we recently watched it and I loved it. So I, I'm so glad that you, one, shared with me that the sale was going on and then two of this movie's existence. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I've been, I've become a big fan of Kino Lorber in general. I think their releases are pretty good, and they're usually well priced, um, and their sales are pretty good. And I like that they put out both stuff like this, which is a Billy Wilder movie, and then also they just did the new remaster of Ryan Johnson's Brick. Oh yes, I need to pick that up too. I I completely forgot that they put that out. Uh, there's actually a lot of things when I was like searching through the sale that I could have purchased, but this story, why, why I liked it, it, it was just very odd. It tells the story of Nestor. He was a former policeman played by Jack Lemon, and he falls for Irma, who is kind of this zany prostitute. Um, she's <laughs> played by Shirley MacLaine and it's just a very strange movie. Basically, Nestor is dead set on getting Irma out of this nighttime racket. He does not like that she is out selling herself. So he comes up with this elaborate plan that involves an eye patch, a fake mustache. He creates this whole disguise and he names himself Lord X. Basically, he becomes like her benefactor so that she doesn't have to sleep around. Okay. Um, but yeah, like he starts working all of these weird like jobs at night and during the day so that he can like ba basically pay for her. Um, but the only problem is like his money ends up being her money and then it's his money. Like it's just... <laughs> it's very wild and there are definitely some questionable themes like ben was not a huge fan of the movie but i i don't know like i just liked it for all its quirkiness and she also has a dog that has a drinking problem which <laughs> the dog loves champagne and that created a lot of comedic moments in the movie. So I feel it was worth it. And especially with the sale, I think it was like $7 or something. Yeah, I also picked that up during the sale, but I've not watched it yet. But I mean, you had me at elaborate scheme and then everything that came after that only added to me <laughs> wanting to watch the movie. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's unlike something like anything I've really watched Apparently, it was a play before it was a movie, which I didn't know till after watching it. Um, but yeah, I recommend checking out Kino Lorber, especially I picked up, too, that Ida Lupino set, which mm -hmm. I know you and Jill picked up. Yep. And then I also bought a collection of Buster Keaton shorts. Oh, excellent. Yeah, we picked up a couple other things. Um trying to remember off the top of my head i know i grabbed uh run silent run deep which i've been wanting to watch for a while nice um, yeah and i think with the sale that was like six dollars like 
Well, um, it was crazy. The Buster Keaton short set was like 20 bucks. And normally I think it said it was 70. And I was like, I'm <laughs> snagging this. Yeah. Especially there were a lot of shorts on there that I haven't seen. And some of them that I have, I've only watched them on YouTube. So these are actually restored. So I'm hoping, you know, to get back and watch them, they're going to look great. Um, yeah, every restoration. Um, we recently did uh, Marty for Shame Files, which was a, is a Kino Lorber release also. And uh, the like remastered edition they did of that movie, is, which is, you know, it's a black and white from the 50s. Uh, it just looks pristine. Like it looks like it's brand new. So that's awesome. Yeah. So check them out. Um, I, I feel like you're always going to find some kind of, you know, surprise that you don't know about. Yeah, and, and even though I haven't actually ordered using it, I really enjoy that at least once or twice a year, they send out a physical catalog. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope I get it. You should now that you've ordered directly from them. Okay. Uh, but it's really fun because you can, like, flip through it, and they have one of those order forms where you write down, like, the little code number for the movie and, like, what the title is, and you can send it in. And so I might I might eventually do an order that way just for, just for old time's sake. For the thrill. Yeah. The thrill of paper. <laughs> all right so are you ready to get to this week's question absolutely i'm I'm ready to help advise anybody who needs it okay so the question came in dear i saw in a movie i just can't shake these winter blues what is a flick you turn to when you have had enough of the gray skies sincerely i got a case of the bummers yeah so i i thought a lot about what I would pick for this because it wasn't immediately, well, the immediately obvious choices um, since we had, since we recently just talked about baseball movies, uh, I would have picked a baseball movie for this because I, I so strongly associate baseball with springtime. But so I, I did some thinking and I ended up picking uh, George Cooker's 1964 movie, My Fair Lady. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it, it's a classic uh, lots of people know it, but I think not only like I was thinking mainly of the uh, the Ascot Racecourse uh, sequence when they're at the horse track and there's like a lots of lots of like pastel dresses and flowers and you know it feels very springy to me. But also thinking about spring as a time for you know kind of uh, making over yourself, starting something new. Uh, rebirth and that's you know that's what my fair lady is about because we have rex harrison uh as higgins making over uh, audrey hepburn's character and you know elevating her from a lowly um you know a flower seller on the street into being able to pass her off as a you know refined lady of the upper crust yes and so you know, I think I think there's a lot of there's a lot. Of, it's a very colorful movie. There's a lot of flowers in the movie. Like I said, she even starts as a flower seller. But to me, it really captures that sort of like, you know, starting something new, rebirth, changing your identity a little bit, you know, kind of kind of makeover aspect in a really fun way. And, you know, I'm I'm always going to be a sucker for a musical. Well, well, then you're you're going to be in luck with my pick then, um, okay. because I also picked a musical, which Excellent. it's funny because I really do think there's something about when you're watching a musical, like you just can't be sad. <laughs> like they're just so happy. And if you are sad, you're sad in like the most perfect 
way to be sad. Yeah. Well, I feel, yeah, like, I guess you're right about that. I, I, I feel when I'm watching a musical, I guess I am usually putting it on when I'm not feeling too great because it's a way to escape. Like, mm-hmm. in what other instance do you find where people just start belt out singing, like, randomly? <laughs> I, mean, I don't if, think there's any other case. Yeah, I mean, if you're in uh, my house, uh, my wife and I will randomly burst into mostly just like fragments of songs, not usually full on <laughs> production awesome. numbers. But um, you know, we will often sing to each other or to the cat. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I do sing to Foxy or Pop sometimes. Uh, but no, I, I think uh, I, I forget. I think it was it was somebody from Movie John that I was having a Twitter conversation with uh, a couple of months ago about how I think, like in my bones, I feel like that the musical is the highest form of cinema. It's definitely. I will say it's not something that I would attempt to want to make mm-hmm. because I do feel that if you're going to make a musical, it would be very challenging. You know, knowing at the right point of like when to have someone just burst into song, but then just knowing about music in general, mm-hmm. I think you have to have some knowledge of that as well as filmmaking. Yeah. And, and to make it cinematic and to, you know, bring it, you know, but um, to really like bring it to life and capture that experience of like you're watching somebody sing and, you know, all of the technical stuff that goes into that, as well as all of the storytelling stuff. But when it works, I think it just works uh, like it's a like a direct line, at least to me, into my emotional core. And, you know, I think because musicals play fast and loose with reality, a lot of them, mm-hmm. especially older musicals, um, that like it, it really it feels like cinema to me, I guess, in, in a different way where it's it's like on the opposite end from like the very real and gritty stuff, which I do enjoy. But I know you're right. There's something about that escapism that's just built into the musical. Yeah, I I think you hit it there when you said it's it's an escape from reality because there's honestly nothing really about a musical that seems real to me. Yeah, um, in a good way, you know. In a good way. Oh yes, definitely. Um, which I will talk about the one that I picked. Now, I'll say you know as a kid, I was. A person that was always more of like an indoor kid. I, I didn't mm-hmm. really like playing outside or going outside, but there is something about winter that just brings me down. Um, you know, for one, I think it's the nightfall, like comes early for some people. They don't like that. Like that's not the problem for me. It's just being cold. Right. I, I don't I I don't like like snow, I love when it's falling, but like I hate the aftermath of it. Um, and luckily this year we didn't get a lot of snow. Um, but with springtime, even though I don't really find myself going outdoors a lot, there is something about having the windows open, like letting fresh air into the house while I'm watching a movie. Um, and the movie that I turn to when I feel sad is the 1945 film Roger and Hammerstein's State Fair. I don't know if you've seen it. So I've not seen the movie version, but when I was a kid, I want to say in like elementary school age, so like third, fourth grade, 
Um, I did go with my grandparents to see a production of it on Broadway. Oh, that's cool. Um, and I, I do have a, a fun little story about that, which is that, uh, you know, we saw, saw the play. We came out. Um, and my dad's family loves music. Um, you know, it's my well, the grandparents on my dad's side. And my dad's family has always loved music. But the way that they tell it, um, when my dad and his brothers were growing up, the when they would sing like happy birthday like as soon as the dog saw a birthday cake the dog would go upstairs because none of them can carry a tune in a bucket like ah. <laughs> <laughs> um so we come out of the musical and i'm like singing a couple of the, a couple of the songs and i'm like you know i'm not like per- perfect like i'm not a great singer but like i'm at least much closer to being you know to a tune or like at least understanding the melody and rhythm of songs as i replicate them and my grandparents right. were very impressed that's awesome. <laughs> well, it's funny because I know we were just talking about, you know, musicals in the sense of like enjoying the songs. And in this movie, it's funny because the thing I most enjoy about it is the imagery. Um, I will say I've only seen the 1945 version. There are actually three versions of the State Fair film. Um, and thus far, like, I don't know, like, I haven't been that interested in going and watching the other two, because I just like this one so much. Um, But it's definitely it's vivid. The colors are lush. And I think it really you you have to pay that to the cinematographer, which this guy, I, I don't know if you know of him, Leon Shamroy. But he actually was the cinematographer for Leave Her to Heaven and Planet of the Apes. He actually shot like over 120 films, which I think is amazing. Like that is a lot of movies. Yeah, I just pulled up his uh, IMDb page. He also shot Cleopatra. Yes, uh, he shot that too. That is a like you were like that is a spectacle of, of a movie. Oh yeah, um, and it's so interesting because I never would have guessed. Like, I never would have tied, like, Cleopatra, State Fair, and Planet of the Apes are three movies I never would have tied together, even in their just, like, the visual look of them. All right, very they're very different. different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so State Fair, it tells the story of the Frake family and their experience attending the annual Iowa State Fair. So the focus of the story is really, I feel, the teenager, Margie, who's played by Jean Crane. But each family member is like looking forward to this state fair for a particular reason. Um, Their dad is entering their prized pig, Blue Boy, into a competition. Their mom is trying to win a blue ribbon for her pickles and minced meat, which that has a lot of comedic moments. (laughs) And then her brother is looking for a spring fling. And The brother is probably my least favorite character, but I'll get back to that. Um, And then Margie is just looking for a change um, because she's basically a mopey teenager, um, which I think we all could relate to. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And I I feel like I remember she's like kind of runs hot and cold on the whole state fair thing. Like she's kind of looking forward to it, but she is kind of being that mopey teenager yeah and like you never really know why she's mopey i mean she she's basically just feels i think stuck in a rut Mm -hmm. living in iowa on a farm like she is really seeking adventure 
you know, she wants to live dangerous. And basically, from what I could gather is that her whole life has basically been planned out since she, like, when she was in diapers, you know, like her parents are like, you're going to marry this guy up the road. You're going to live in a farmhouse. So like, I feel she, she doesn't want that. Um, but her, but it's hard because she wants to make her parents proud. But at the same point, it's like, this isn't what I want. So she's conflicted. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting that this is, uh, so this, this version, the 1945 version is like the middle Correct. Yes, because there was one, I believe the first one was like 1933, and then there was one done in the 60s. And what's interesting, I almost completely forgot to mention this, this is also a 20th Century Fox picture. Because um, when I, so I actually watched this digitally. I, I purchased a digital copy because I do have it on VHS. Uh, but I wanted to be able to, you know, experience it the best that I could since we're watching it for the show. So I got it on digital because when you go online, it's actually hard to track down a copy. They have it on DVD, which I'm just shocked this is not available on Blu-ray at the very least because the colors are absolutely amazing. It Like this movie would benefit so much from being restored. Uh, so it, but who knows that may never happen. Yeah. I really hope that it gets a, um, you know, cause like I said, I haven't seen this movie, but even just looking at the pictures of it, the color is extremely vivid. And uh, I feel like, you know, that films that have that sort of technicolor look like always look really good on Blu-ray, even compared to DVD. Like, I feel like I can really notice the difference. Oh, definitely. And and this one would definitely benefit from being restored without a doubt. I mean, frankly, the story of the film doesn't really interest me as much as the images do. I could watch this movie on silent, frankly. And the next time I do I do watch it, I might even do just that. And I don't know, have you ever done that? Like just wanted to watch a movie without the audio and then maybe like play your own soundtrack? Uh, I haven't, but our uh, mutual friend Garrett, um, at, at least one time that we, he had people over uh, his house, he was playing music while having some of the classic Universal monster movies on on silent. Oh, yes. Those are actually really great to do that, too. Um, I actually did that at a Halloween party once that we had. We just let them play in the background on mute, and then we had, like, spooky music playing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, and this is one of those movies that I feel you could do that too. Uh, you know, when I watch this movie, it just gets me so excited. I don't know. Have you ever been to Knobles? Uh, I've not been to Knobles, but I would, I really do. It was a goal of mine last year and the timing uh, never worked out because real life kept getting in the way. But sure. it's still a 2020 goal to get over to Knobles and just... Uh, I I love theme parks and fairs and things. I think they're super fun. So, um, well, it's definitely for, definitely on the list. Yeah, I well, I think we should. You, me, Ben, and Jill should make the trek there. Uh, for those that don't know what Knobles is, it's a place located in Pennsylvania here, and it's an amusement park, but. It's kind of old timey and I would say that it, you know, anytime I go there, it just feels magical. Like you're stepping back in time. 
yeah and it, it it's not no it's not like a six flags where it's like known for like oh we have you know the fastest tallest most insane roller coasters it's you know it's a little bit more low-key it still has that kind of old school model where like you don't have to pay to get into the park you you, you can just pay for rides um which i think is yes. super fun so Yes, they have tickets for all the rides. The prices are so reasonable. And they have like any type of fair food that you can imagine, like cotton candy, funnel cakes. And a lot of it is made right there. So it's like actually really good. Yeah, that that's super exciting. And I, I mean, I, there's definitely something about just being able to be, you're totally right. Like even though like I would probably also classify myself as an indoor kid, um there's something about being able to be outside and do fun things where it's like it's not it's you know it's not my chosen thing to do all the time but not even being able to do it much in winter um you know does kind of bum me out after a while oh definitely and the other thing i love about state fair is you know talking about knobles state fair captures that this atmosphere perfectly like there's so many great shots of like people making cotton candy the carousel the popcorn you know popping and it's just like i don't know like when i'm watching it i'm like i feel like i'm there like i'm in the movie um i don't know it it I, I love carnivals, if you haven't noticed it. Like, I love fairs, and I'm definitely an amusement park fan, but I would say that I'm more into, like, the smaller amusement parks than I am, like, the Six Flags. Yeah, yeah. I've never actually been to a Six Flags, and even Dorney Park, which is relatively close to us, I think I was only there as a little kid because I definitely like more stuff that's – uh theme heavy and like fun heavy than I do like thrills. Sure. Yeah. The other great thing about Knobles too is that they have a lot of those old tiny games which are featured in state fair as well like tossing the rings you know popping the balloons and I love that kind of stuff. Yeah I, I really love that like whenever uh, you know I'm at the Jersey Shore you know I always have to stop and like hit a few frogs where you like have oh the mallet God. yes that is so <laughs> Knobles has that but I was so upset because like two years ago we went and they switched the type of frog that they use mm. yeah like remember like how the frogs used to be like kind of long yeah they're like <laughs> and they rubbery like, and like super floppy yes and they feel so weird like the texture yeah well the one like this was like two years ago now we went and they have like these new like plastic ones and they're like not fun at all that is extremely disappointing because part of the joy for that because you know i play to to have fun i don't necessarily play to win prizes sure um And the joy for me comes from seeing this floppy rubber frog frog get launched through the air more than it does, you know, it splashing in the water or, you know, landing on a target if I'm lucky. But it's there's something in my just like deep brain that just really likes the visual and the satisfaction of like you hit the mallet on this like metal thing. Yeah. And it just pops up and it's, it's just perfect. Yeah, and I was so bummed. And like last year when we went, I don't even think we played then because I was still 
mad about it. I, I I don't know why they changed it. It was upsetting. Yeah, that that is upsetting. I still want to go, but I oh. will adjust my expectations accordingly. Yeah, and my favorite, actually, my favorite time to go is like late summer, and I love being in the park when it's nightfall, like when all the lights come on. Mm-hmm. It it makes me feel alive. I I mean, it's weird because, like I said, I don't really get excited about going outside but i do like being outside at night especially in the summer yeah and it's you know it's whether it's there or uh you know we've made a couple trips to the mahoning drive-in over the past couple seasons (gasps) that's another great place yeah and it and they also have kind of a car like their uh snack bar is like quickly becoming my favorite like carnival type food say they have some random things at that snack bar though and that's part of why i really like it because yeah i i think you know why i think it's so random though like they don't have i think a main source of where they're getting these items like i think they're just picking them up like at the store yeah literally i think think they're going to wherever the local like costco or bj's is yeah because the sodas are never the same like, there's right. never the same soda selections. Sometimes, like, they have crinkle fries. Other times you go, it might be a waffle fry. Like, it is random. But I love their popcorn. Their popcorn is excellent. <laughs> and we always get the big bag and, like, we get it refilled before we leave. Because we eat it back at... Well, we've had discussions, and this will probably be another episode of talking about the drive-in. But you can camp there. Mm-hmm. But I do not camp. And I will camp, but it's it's hard for me to camp and then like just it's a lot of time to kill during the day because uh, I it's difficult for me to sleep in when when I am camping because it's all like it's an open field. So like light uh, wakes me up. So I'm up and early. You're right. And you're outside. So I'm up early. The movies don't start until sundown, which, you know, in like June, July is like nine, nine or nine thirty at night. So I'm up from like, you know, dawn. And trying to stay all the way up through all of the movies that they're playing, uh, it, it's a lot. And I feel a little bit grubby. You know, they don't have uh, showers or anything. So w- when we have gone for more than one night, we've stayed in like an Airbnb for the first night. And then just camp the second night because it's it's like 10 bucks to camp. So um, so I, I'm fine doing the like I'm camping and then we're getting up the next morning and going home immediately. Like stopping for breakfast and hitting the road. Right. Um, but just because, you know, and I mean, it's not like there's not other things to do up there, but uh, I'd rather have somewhere where I can kind of chill out for most of the day. Yeah, I definitely think that this summer we should try to do a cast, a, a podcast from there. I think that would be really fun. That would be really fun. Although, like I said, I will be staying in a cabin and you can stay in your tent because <laughs> I just don't do the outside. But... One other thing I wanted to mention about State Fair that I love is, well, this is just something I love about old movies in general. I love seeing all of the props, like all of the old glassware and then the wardrobes that people wore. And I know we talked about this on our first episode, but the way people would dress up to go to a fair, Mm -hmm. it is incredible to me. Like, the dresses they would wear these beautiful hats and then again everyone is wearing gloves which 
I really need to start getting gloves. <laughs> like I, I, I have to buy gloves because they, what fascinates me is that one, so many different colors, like they, because they match their dress and their outfit perfectly. Um, but it's also really safe. Like, especially with things that are going on, it's like, basically you don't have to worry about touching anything. Right. As long as you don't touch your glove to your face. Yes. No touching of the face. That's the tricky part. (laughs) Um, But no, that it's, I think that's a really good point. And as much as I, I mean, I like dressing up for an occasion, but I, I'm far more comfortable in my uh, t-shirt and shorts when, especially when I'm being outside at like a state fair type situation. Um, But I will say I do love always seeing pictures from uh, at Disneyland. They do what they call dapper days. And, oh, I have heard of this. It and, looks awesome. Yeah, and and that is where people sort of dress up in these, uh, you know, um, old timey, I guess, costumes, and they really go all out. And it's always brightly colored because it's Disneyland, so it's like it's not real, you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing, you know, people in dresses and you know, colorful suits and like the. Uh, you know, like the kind of hat that like Dick Van Dyke wears in that one part of Mary Poppins where it's like the like flat, uh, like straw hat. Yes. Are those called pork pie hats? Why do I think that's what it's called? I, I don't know. I don't, gonna... I don't know what it's called. I know a pork pie hat is a thing. Yes, because I'm Googling it because <laughs> I think that's what it's called. Well, it kind of. It's funny when you Google it, what comes up is like a fedora, but it's not a fedora. So uh, it, it's more like a straw-looking hat. So I'm looking at the pork pie hat Wikipedia article. Yes, and it has a picture of Buster Keaton. Of course, um, and it said he would actually convert fedoras into pork pie hats on his own. Oh, look at that! So it it's a similar shape. Um, right but it's like flat right it's a similar shape to the the dick van dyke hat but the dick van dyke one's made out of straw yes that's what i i'm picturing like a straw-ish hat frankly i i've tried these hats they don't work for me no i'm more of a i'm more of a bowler yeah i i struggle with hats just in general as someone who has like sort of a large head and i just it's rare that a hat no. looks good on me. See, no, I, I have a child size head. Like my head is so small. Like, for example, like when we go to baseball games, if I want a baseball hat, I go immediately to the children's section. Mm. I wear like the smallest hat, but I get really good deals because of it. Yeah, no, I'm, I am definitely jealous of that. Um, yeah. Jill, my wife, she also... Uh, you know, as a, as a smaller person, just has a smaller head, and I think, I think she can. I think with a ball cap, she can wear a child's. Um, but she just looks good in hats in general. Um, and I'm very and, jealous. And she has an amazing t-shirt collection. She does. But all right, <laughs> we got off track here. I mean, anyways, State Fair. I recommend checking it out. It's, yeah, and, and and I think talking about all spirit. of these. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, it'll lift your spirits, if anything. It's just so beautiful to look at. Yeah, and I think uh, talking about, and all, like, just talking about 
the movies, but also all the, you know, the drive-in and Knobles and everything like that has already put me in a little bit of a better mood already. Yeah, I, I really, really think that we should all try to go to Knobles. It is an absolute blast and I love it. Definitely. And then we should find um, like a theme park related movie to talk about. Yes. <laughs> oh, I already know which one. Okay. But I will save that. Please do. So before we sign off, don't forget that you can find a breakdown of the episode. It's also available for download on moviejohn.com under MJ Podcasts. You can also subscribe to our quarterly print zine. And our next issue features jetpacks, flying cars, and robots. That's right, the future. So make sure you subscribe to find a copy in your mailbox. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at I Saw It in a Movie. And if you're seeking advice, send us questions to dear I Saw It in a Movie at gmail.com. Also, for those that enjoy snail mail, I know I do, you can write to us at P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA 19145, Attention Movie John. And I know we said this on a previous episode, but we are very interested in getting postal mail. And if it's rad, we will share it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking for I'm hoping someone sends us like a cool uh, question. And like, I'm not going to say that if we get overwhelmed with stuff, I'm going to prioritize people that send in stuff through the physical mail, well, but we might. <laughs> especially if there's a gift. I mean, we can not be that I'm... <laughs> We can. And I'm not saying that you have to send a gift, but you really should. Right. And the gift could be a piece of artwork. It could be even a doodle, honestly. Oh, that would be so cool. Or a post. Like, I just want a postcard. Yeah. We both so, like stuff. We're both stuff people. So yes. <laughs> any stuff you want to send us, we will gladly take off your hands. <laughs> yes. Um, so... I don't know. I don't know how you want to keep doing this with the advice, but I think that we should. If you have advice, you should give it to from your movie. Um, but I do have a piece from State Fair. Uh, I I do, but you can share yours first. Okay, so my piece of advice is compliments of this. I'm calling him a scientific farm boy, but his name is Harry, and he was the one that was crushing on Margie, who was the teen girl that was mopey. But he says, linoleum, through the whole house. It's sleek and smooth, easy to keep clean. It's like every room in the house is a bathroom. And this just made me laugh so much because honestly, it's not a bad idea if you're planning to dabble in murder. Yeah, I mean, that is exceptionally true. Like, I don't disagree with anything that he said. I don't know that I want my whole house to be linoleum, but I think he's right on the money in terms of... But if you're murdering people, like, you could just bring in a hose then and, like, spray the place down. If I was in the mob, I would definitely have... If I was in the mob, like, you're actually contemplating a life of crime. I mean, I'm always thinking about a life of crime. Uh (laughs) Honestly, um, because, you know, being a non-crime committing person, sometimes it feels like I'm just in the wrong business. Right. I mean, I I agree. I don't think I'd want my whole house to be linoleum, but maybe I'd have a second home. Like that would be murder home. Right. Or even just a murder basement, honestly. Um, 
with I'd linoleum. A you, could home. Put, you could put drains in the floor. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like a murder home and then like your live-in home. I see. You'd have two homes. But then you'd also have to have a vacation home. So maybe three homes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what is your advice? What is your advice? Sure. Um, so we didn't really talk about it too much with uh, My Fair Lady in general, but just the idea of um, the fact that, you know, somebody could be your mentor, but not be in it for very scrupulous reasons. Like Henry Higgins is like not a great guy. Um, no. But I will say I always I do appreciate this piece of advice from Liza Doolittle, which is that the difference between a lady and a flower girl is not how she behaves, but how she is treated. Um, and so I think to me, it, it is in all how we, how we treat each other and how we treat other people. And, you know, we should always just kind of keep that in mind, not to be overly judgmental and, uh, just, you know, treat people the way that they should be treated regard, regardless of class or social status or appearance, you know. Or if they're a murderer, I mean, they could still be a good person. <laughs> they can have good reasons for murder. Right. Okay. Well, that was a good piece of advice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, for every question, there is a movie with the answer. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye.